This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mac OS Monterey is still in public beta mode for now, but we've gotten some hands-on time with it. Is this update going to change how you use your Mac? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Here to offer his perspective on all things macOS is CNET editor and laptop expert Dan Ackerman. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Good to see you. So overall, what are your early impressions of macOS Monterey? Boy, when it comes around to these operating system betas, and let me tell you, I've been knee-deep in the macOS one and also in Windows 11, which I've been installing left and right on all kinds of different uh, laptops. You know, I feel the same way I do every time one of these rolls around. Number one, if you're just a regular you know, person using your computer, don't jump in and get these betas. They can be unreliable. They can mess things up. If it's your mission critical system or your only one, just, just wait for the real version. And even then wait some, you know, wait some more after that. Because you don't want to be the first, you know, nobody wants to be the first guy to test the, uh, you know, to test the spacesuit, make sure it works. Uh, that said, they make it really easy to do. So they must want a lot of people on this. And I would say the Mac OS one is a, a step further in the development process than Windows 11 is because Windows 11 is like a dev channel beta within the insiders program. It's not even the main beta. With the Mac OS one, it's just the public beta just go get it. You don't have to join anything special, really. Uh, that that leads me to believe they're fairly certain it won't break your system. All right. Well, that's good to know. And, and how long have you been living with macOS Monterey? Gosh, I guess I installed it probably almost a week ago. And I'll tell you, like most operating system updates, especially the Mac ones, which are so incremental, you know, year after year, there's always a new um, iOS and always a new iPad OS and always a new Mac OS version, they don't jump as much as you do going from, let's say, Windows 10 to Windows 11, where they put that number in there, you know, and it feels really big. I think this is more iterative. And I always feel like in these OS updates, there are so many things that you'll never run across as a regular user. So a lot of this stuff is not really for you. I try to look for the things that as just an everyday web browsing computer user, you're going you're gonna to actually use and either like or not like. Right. Well, let's get into that. So some of the details. What are some of the key features that people should know about with macOS Monterey? The thing that's probably the biggest game changer, and this will this will apply across all the different Apple operating systems, is that they're taking FaceTime and they're letting you basically send someone a browser link to your FaceTime convo, and you can access that from a non-Apple device. So I had a FaceTime call, and I just clicked the copy link button, and I emailed the somebody the uh, uh, link and they opened it up on a Microsoft Surface uh, device and we had, a, we had a FaceTime call through it. And that really opens up that platform, which even though a lot of people use FaceTime, it's Apple only. And now that we're, we've, that's essentially over now. They just ended that. Now they should have done that a year ago when people started using Zoom meetings for everything. It's kind of playing catch up now, but at least now you can have a cross device, cross operating system, cross ecosystem FaceTime call if that's what you want to do, if everybody is not already committed to Zoom. 
do you think that that's going to move the needle at all? Because as you said, you know, a year ago when the pandemic started, we all jumped on Zoom. We all started living on Zoom, and Zoom became a verb. It became just sort of a, a universal thing. You, you make the point Apple is playing catch up here, but do you think that it's already too late for Apple? In terms of being the default messaging and video system for your work from home meetings, yes, already too late. In terms of saying, oh, well, if I can use FaceTime with grandma from my you know, work laptop, which is a Lenovo or my gaming laptop or an Android phone, now I don't feel as tied into a single ecosystem as I did before. And there's sort of, uh, there, there, there's a break in the walled garden gate now. Got it. And, and the experience, is it as you know, seamless? Is that, is it similar to what you would get through a normal, you know, uh, Apple to Apple device FaceTime call? The biggest problem I had was figuring out how to give somebody the link. Uh, normally it's as like, Oh, do you want to, uh, you know, airdrop it to somebody? Well, that's not going to work if they're not on an Apple device. Do you want a messenger? Well, that's not going to work. Oh, I can, I can cut and paste it into like a Google chat window and send it to you, or I can email it to you. And there's a million other ways but it's not as as seamless as as doing a direct FaceTime call where you just go, hey, I'm just going to let you know we're doing this now. All right. And beyond the FaceTime update, which is a big one, there's Safari, and that also got a big update. You you talk a little bit about that in your hands-on. What, like what changed, and is it – you like it? I like the Safari updates. It's not – earth-changing. It's not something other browsers have not had before in terms of grouping tabs together and giving you more organizational tools. But I always, there, there were two things that, that give me agita, that really give me anxiety when I see them. Number one is somebody with a phone that doesn't have a case on it. And I know we keep running, <laughs> I, I know we have some stories somebody wrote about why you should let your phone be free and not put in a case. That's, that's madness to me. It's, it's sheer madness. The number two thing is when I walk up to you, when we used to have this office that we all went to every day, and somebody would have literally 30 or 40 tabs mm-hmm. on their web browser in front of me, and that would just freak me out. I'm just like, how can you even see what you're doing? What, what, what sort of organization do you have here? And the way I would solve this for myself is I would have one browser window, whether it was mm-hmm. Safari or Chrome or something, and have all my tabs related to one work task in that window. Then I have yep. a separate instance with the tabs for that stuff in there. So now in Safari, you can group the tabs pretty easily. You open the sidebar, you, you, know, you, drag, you say, make a group from these tabs or make a new group and put new tabs in it. And then I can just flick back and forth like I have three different browser windows open, but they're all the same browser window. And I just see the tabs for that group. And I love it. It's so, it's so streamlined. But I also love how they hide the tabs. They blend into the background color of the page you're on, and they're much less prominent. Whereas before, especially on Chrome, the tabs are these big, you know, things sticking up out of the top of your window. And uh, they've looked like that for a long time. So changing the way they look, you know what? That's looking forward in some way, and I respect that. All right. And you talked about live text as another highlighted feature. How, How does that work? You know, that's another thing where, again, somebody, oh, but Google Lens does that. They've done that for you. Yes, I know that. But if you have an iPhone, you're not using Google Lens. So it's new to you. It's like a, it's like a used car. It's new to you. Um, you can take any, and I try this a bunch of different ways. And frankly, it worked pretty well, as it works pretty well on Android devices and, and, and other devices with OCR built in. Um, you can open up an image either in the preview, in photos, really anywhere on the Mac OS uh, system. And you can now highlight text and copy it. You can call phone numbers in the text. You can click on links. It'll open a web browser and give you a preview window. 
Um, I took a, I literally could not find a scrap of paper in front of me when I did this. So I took a giant e-ink tablet I have with a stylus and I hand wrote something. So, you know, the handwriting is going to be really, because it's not just on paper, it's on an e-ink screen. So it's going to be super scratchy looking. Then I took a photo of that screen and then I airdropped that to uh, the Mac and I was able to just highlight the text and cut and paste it into a, a, a text window immediately. Uh, and it was great. All right. And beyond those features, any changes to macOS Monterey that you don't like or annoy you? Yeah, no, there's, there's very rarely something that it feels like a downgrade. And I appreciate that. A lot of the stuff is, again, you know, the, how audio noise cancellation works in FaceTime and line up the faces in the grid differently. And I, I don't know if that many people are going to use. There's one feature that's not in there yet. And that's where you can use like your keyboard and your mouse or touchpad for your Mac. You can put an iPad next to it um, and use it. With those also, you can drag files directly, like literally from one screen to the other. That's not in there yet. I feel that's kind of interesting. I don't think a lot of people are going to find a practical use for that. Okay. And I know you're testing this on an M1 Mac. I'm just curious if that makes a difference or you're just doing for the sake of, you know, you have an M1 Mac and you might as well just use it. Or if, you know, there's there's some advantage to that. I, I don't think there is. I do have an M1 Mac in front of me and that is why I am using that. Uh, especially with the features I just talked about, I don't see any real reason why under regular Intel Mac it wouldn't work as well. Okay, and I guess lastly, you know, previous versions of macOS updates have, you know, touted performance uh, improvements and even battery life improvements. Any any indication that this new version might have similar improvements from that respect? I don't think so, but again, that goes back to what you were saying. If you were able to do some optimization that it helped with battery life, would that count more on an M1 Mac or on an Intel Mac? Because especially if you're on an Intel one, you know you have a whole different uh, uh, you know power consumption conversation happening there. And one of the things the M1s do really well is improve your battery life because they're they're basically less expensive energy wise to run than the standard off the shelf Intel chip that was in these previously. All right. Well, any other last uh, thoughts about the the OS? Uh, you know, anything else? I guess you're looking forward to seeing as this thing goes from public beta to you know the actual version. Operating system updates, whether it's macOS Monterey or whether it's Windows 10 to Windows 11, they should be as transparent as humanly possible to you. If you notice them too much, then they're probably not doing a great job. And of course, I always tell everybody. Don't install one of these on the system you rely on for work or for school, just to be on the safe side. But also, I'm not the laptop police. Do what you want. <laughs> All right, there you go. Some wise advice from Dan. Thanks for your time. You can check out his story on Cena.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.